find the people around here that you don't have to hide yourself from and then be yourself in front of those people aggressively and intentionally and just be you and find opportunities and ways to express yourself and who you are. It's one of the greatest gifts in life that we can be given and that we can give ourselves is the permission to be authentic. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to provide insight and wisdom into all things mental health, to sit down with individuals and talk about their journey, how they've broken free from the chains that bind them, to find their flame, their passions, and purpose. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. We are so excited to have you back for episode six of season two. Today, our guest is Mike, the nerd therapist, Keedy. Mike and I have connected online, and it was fantastic to have a nerd slash geek marathon of all things those two terms describe, as well as therapy and what it takes to engage with people in therapy and how to hold space and be creative in how you engage people in the process of healing and wellness. We cover all things from video game therapy to D&D to superheroes, Ninja Turtles, and all of the above. And it's really an honor to get to sit with Mike and talk and share that space with each other. Mike's from Australia, so this was probably the longest away from a guest that we've been able to record and it's good to just have all those you know generative vibes out there crossing the airways from here in Massachusetts all the way to Australia so um, I could go on and on and explain more in depth what we talk about but I want you all just to take a listen because it's about to get real nerdy in here so without further ado here's the nerd therapist Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. We're really excited for this episode today. We're talking with none other than Mike, the nerd therapist. And as the listeners know, there's not two things I hold more dear than my nerdhood and being a therapist. So really excited to have Mike here with us today, uh, coming across the ocean to us from Australia. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick it off like we always do. If you could give the listeners just a little bit uh, of an origin story on who you are and how you became Mike, the nerd therapist. That's funny that you mentioned like, you know, holding, holding nerddom and therapy in your heart because nerddom is what led me to therapy. So for the folks listening at home or on the commute, so I'm Mike, I'm a counselor from Perth, Australia, from the West Coast. In 2020, 
I started a service called uh, Pop Culture Competence, which explains nerdy stuff to not nerdy therapists, because I was seeing a awful lot of really terrible hot takes out there about what a lot of video games and nerdy stuff is. Like, you know, um, we've got our therapy Facebook groups, and someone asked, you know, what's anime? And someone just said, it's cartoons. I'm like, it's, yeah. I mean, yes, but also no, there's more to it. And that's not the answer we're looking for. So I just started writing essays on what video game, what these like specific video games are, and then how we can apply them to therapy. And I realized after smashing out well, articles basically every day for a month uh, that I should be not just doing this, talking about this, I should be doing it. So I completely rebranded my practice and I became a nerd therapist. But what led me to therapy was I used to work in construction, which in Australia is uh, it's a decent way to earn a living, like it is in many places. But it is uh, has a very high incidence of incredibly poor mental health. So when we had a mental health charity come out to our construction site one day, I'm sitting there and I'm resonating with everything that is being said. And I went, okay. A couple months later, uh, my trade was out of work in the, my state and I got offered uh, very bad options elsewhere. And I had to sit down and think, what do I want to do next? Because I this is not sustainable. You know, I've been told the next job is in two or three years. And that's, I just can't sit here for two years and do something else. <clears throat> so I thought about the way I was spending my time. And I realized I was spending like every waking leisure hour that I could, you know, when I got to choose what I was doing, I was playing World of Warcraft as a healer. I was maining a, pal a Blood Elf Paladin, so heavy armor, big hammer, and protecting people and healing people. And I thought, how can I bring this, this choice of recreation to my professional life? Because the, the concept of being able to do something that makes me happy for a job was alien, but also kind of exciting to I realized I ha I spend every day helping people achieve their own goals. And I realized that this was pretty congruent with therapy. And I took the plunge, graduated about a month before COVID hit, and here we are now. Well, that's awesome. And I love I love that story so much of, you know, you being in your day-to-day -day life and then using World of Warcraft as, as this launching point that we like, like, and that's the beauty about those kind of games is you can create characters, one, a fantasy that that you would like to represent and, and to kind of play as. But I always think there's there's a part of the core self that's in, imbued in those characters when, you know, not all the time, but like there can be a really strong part of yourself that's that correlates with the character build of that. And so I love that 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 journey led you to where you are now. Yeah, it was a really awesome. It was a really awesome time. It was jarring going from like construction uh, career to you know back back to square one, back to studying again. But it was been it's been an incredible experience. It's been an entirely life changing experience. And and one of the, the you know you have the title of the nerd therapist, but I think you know in your introduction, one of the things that you did really well at explaining was you were you kind of took that mantle on as a way to to kind of meet this need that's out there i think because you know as therapists we often see 
many people from many different walks of life. And I think, you know, I see a lot of young young clients as well. And I think a lot of times what happens is you try to engage with them, but it's it's usually done through the lens of the therapist. Like, how do I get this kid to engage with me? Or how do I get this uh, person who who may not conventionally do well in therapy to get, engage with me? What do I do? And a lot of times we have to break that lens to be more like what is helpful for those people to engage with us and feel comfortable in that room. And I really, I really enjoy that, you know, you were kind of feeling this need that, that you, you saw in the world. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, at the time it was, you know, it was 2020, everything was weird. I was spending a lot of time online, which I do anyway, more of it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was just seeing every, every day it was weird every day for about two or three weeks, someone was asking a pop culture question. And it was like, what's Minecraft? What's Fortnite? What's what's Roblox? How do I how do I do make Roblox safe for young people? And it was always the, the answers from the majority was incredibly disappointing. And it made me realize that as someone who has been like a lifelong gamer, you know, I picked up a controller in uh, 1994 with a with a broken leg and never look back and i realized that i was incredibly surprised there wasn't something for this and now you know since then i found like the broader geek therapy community and i'm not the only one out there but at the time uh with the with the scope i had as like a baby therapist had only been at it for about a year i was sitting there thinking how is there nothing for this yet like how is this not a thing You've got people like myself who live in these worlds, but there's no there's no resource for helping people from outside of these worlds to learn about it. And you know, we we'd covered uh, you know, I did two uh, cultural competency units what during my degree, and while I wouldn't comp I wouldn't begin comparing. Like ethnic or religious cultural groups to being a nerd, I do feel like there is a level of like what I what I started calling subcultural competence and understanding different communities that we find in society, such as like you know, such as nerdy people, such as goths, punks, uh, the kink community. In these communities, we don't see a lot of representation in the scope of what yeah what i've started calling subcultural competency yeah and i've had many clients uh you know i game a little bit not not much with video games but more of like role-playing games or dungeons and dragons and magic and things of that nature and but i get the concept of of, of gaming and i've played some of those games with kids i have them bring it into sessions sometimes and we play together and we we get to be familiar with with those things so we can talk about it and i think that's always a really important part to feel validated by the person you're sitting with and to be able to to understand the those passions that people have one of the greatest things i've ever had related to this in a therapy session uh is meeting with a dad and his son and the dad was really disconnected from uh, you know the video game system they were playing fortnite the son was playing fortnite he tried to sit down and play Fortnite with him. He couldn't do it. 
And there was a lot of arguments about the son wanting to use some free time to go to competitions and, and to really hone that craft. And there was this light bulb moment for the dad when we were sitting in session at one point where it was really uh, focused on, oh, this is uh, this is the same thing for me, but with baseball. When I was younger, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And this is shifting for my son to be like aiming to be a pro video game player in Fortnite and be competitive of that nature. And then once that moment hit, there was a lot more understanding and grace held within that relationship. That's awesome. It sounds like a really good moment. Yeah. And and I only think that that can happen when that space is held in that way. It's something that I think society is still struggling with is that this idea that playing video games or even like time spent game, I think board games get a little more like popular respect. Mm-hmm. But playing video games you know, is still we still get the like the stigma and the negative connotations even from you know my my bu- a bugbear i've had for my entire life is people who watch the same if not more television than me telling me that the way i'm choosing to spend my time is bad and once we can kind of get past that we get these really cool opportunities to respect a medium and the way people are choosing to spend their time one accidental specialty I've fallen into in this because once I started, I when I first started doing this, I created this website entirely nameless. Uh, it did not have my name attached to it for about four weeks mm-hmm. um, because I was like, okay, this is probably my anxious self said this is going to get hated, and the the therapy community not going to like someone telling them yeah it's okay that kids play video games and this is how you can bring that to therapy right i expected a lot of blowback and a lot of negativity so i didn't attach my my name to or anything identifying it was just hey here's a resource that i found online that answers some (laughs) of your questions yeah not at all like something i've just hyper focused on for four days and created a website (laughs) for um and then sharing this with people, I received no negativity, uh, a massive amount of um, attention, on, not, ma- like not massive, massive, but like a huge amount of uh, attention on social media, a job offer within the first week. Uh, it was it was huge and it blew me away. But the specialty I find of didn't anticipate, you know, because I thought doing this sort of thing, you know, I'll get a lot of uh, nerdy people, a lot of probably like... Um, a lot of queer people because one of my one of my earlier articles was on how the pokemon sylveon is a trans icon and then the specialty i kind of fell into was people coming from ruptured therapeutic relationships where the client be it a teen or an adult uh, and possibly even their parent was shamed by their clinician for letting them play video games or letting them watch anime or being like weird Right. And so I work with a lot of people in uh, what I call post-rupture that are hoping to come to therapy again and really being able to build that trust in, in the system. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the saddest things I've heard from, you know, just people in general 
not not even clients that I've worked with in the past, but the the concept of of really feeling shamed by going to therapy, whether it's for one reason or another. But I do think there is a big misunderstanding or or, or lack of understanding um, with you know the nerd culture, the geek culture, like we're talking about specifically the hot button issue. I, like you were saying, is is the video gaming, right? Because you know forever we've we've heard of devices and you know the intensity and the neuroscience and however you kind of word it of the the negativity of it and not the virtues of the positive aspects of it and you know we can trace that back through through that nerd culture for a long time i mean it was in the 80s and 90s that dnd came out right and how many i mean just look at stranger things talking about how you know, people who play D and D are like occultists and devil worshippers and and things of that nature. And I feel like we could probably even track it back further if, if we had the time and space to do that. And and the beauty about what you're talking about too is it's just opening up avenues for people who maybe felt somewhere along the lines they were let down by something that was supposed to help them and 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 be a safe place for them to re reapproach it in a way that feels really comforting and familiar to them yeah i think the education and the advocacy and some of the the myth busting and the stigma breaking on my part is saying that like you can still enjoy video games and be a fairly functional member of society uh or be a social person you know breaking these uh misconceptions uh because one one article i did about three three weeks into the project, so it was about 15 articles deep at the time, I wrote an article on the therapeutic conversations you can have using Grand Theft Auto. Mm. And that was the one that got the most attention. Of any individual post, it got the most attention from a whole lot of people who just knew Grand Theft Auto from the news, uh, being this this game where you're a serial just criminal and you, you just run around running people up on a car and killing people. But it was about having the space for these conversations with it. And I got a lot of messages on, uh, surprisingly enough, LinkedIn, which is my probably the most neglected social media platform I'm on. <laughs> my, too. Uh, my, too. my supervisor says I need to spend more time there, but I, I just struggled with it. Yeah. Uh, but I got a lot of messages on LinkedIn about my Grand Theft Auto article. And it was really... Although the response was basically the same. It's like, I'd never thought about it in this way. I'd never considered that there might be like some depth to this game or even just like an opportunity to talk about subversive media or the social commentary in the game or the ability to talk about like decision-making and uh, consequences and the social determinants of crime and how you know crime kind of happens because of the, the way the criminal justice system and society in general is structured. Grand Theft Auto V gives us these conversations to talk about cycles of intergenerational trauma and crime. And I just got these messengers from Sykes going, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is this was eye-opening, but I never yeah. expect you to do like the read an article about this and for me it's all about doing two big things in terms of like the education and then just therapy itself it's meeting someone where they are even if they're in the forgotten realms and then opening conversations yeah 
that was a nice slide in of Forgotten Realms in there too. I like I I like that. Right I always now. I always think like you know which because I I say this that one that line every now and again you know like because mm. I come from my most influential lecturer at university was my person centered counseling lecturer and that was the one that really filled me with the passion for the field and. You know, the whole idea of meeting someone where they are. And every time I say it, I'm like, Azeroth, not everyone's going to get the Warcraft reference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the Forgotten Realms. But, one, yeah. And, the way Baldur's Gate and D&D is going. Yeah, well, you know, then that was my one of my first in- introductions into fantasy was the Ari Salvatore Dritz to Erden series. And... Got it here. <laughs> Yeah, I usually have a Dritz uh, Lego up up on top of my my bookcase here, but I brought it home because my daughter and I are going to do some stop go animation with it. Nice, yeah. right. Yeah, it, for sure. And so I'm always about the Forgotten Realms. I got to meet Salvatore. He was doing a signing. I printed out a map of Faerun, and he he signed up at Icewind Dale. And super nice guy, super super awesome. uh, a good person to talk to. And enjoy his writing especially with the evolution of some of the books recently it's been really fun to see how he's brought mental health into those conversations more completely so sorry what are you saying no i'm i'm I'm, i was gonna just kind of expand on that and have a bit of a thing about it It it's kind of cool to see more more media coming out, which not only attempts to address mental health, but actually does a decent job of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, every now and again, we go back and we rewatch at home. You know, we rewatch a show from the nineties, and you can see they're trying to do a mental health episode. Yeah, but in hindsight, maybe it was well informed at the time, but in hindsight, it's good job. <laughs> it's wow. So... Yeah, uh, and then some shows do it very well. Uh, you know, think, talking about like uh, Scrubs, or at the moment we're rewatching Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, and some yeah. of the the ways that show actually approaches trauma are very. It does a half decent job of it, which I don't expect from a a mid nineties <laughs> serial <laughs> right, show. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when I think of Scrubs, like you're talking about, I think of that that one Brent, well, multiple Brendan oh. Fraser episodes, but <laughs> you know that one pulls out the heartstrings really, really hard. That's a hard episode to watch, and it's the one we dread. Every we rewatch Scrubs every couple of years, and we, you know, I know, I know, I can remember the general sequence of episodes. It's like, uh oh, it's kind of like two away, two away, um, we're two away from that episode. Here yeah. we go, the Brendan Fraser heartbreak. Yes, exactly. Um. He's a he's a great actor as well, and his story is really powerful Absolutely. too. Um, huge fan of all that he does. Um, so I'm wondering if you can. So like we've referenced it a couple times of of creating this space and being able to do some educating conversations with people. And and what does therapy look like and how you approach it? And I know you have a couple of programs out there. The one that I first kind of started following you on was when you were talking about role for role for growth. I'm wondering if you can talk about what that looks like in, in sessions. So for me, I approach uh, using gamified therapy in two ways, and it depend, really depends on uh, who I'm working with 
why I'm working with them, how they're presenting, all that sort of stuff. Uh, one is just gaming as an implicit bonus uh, for people who struggle with like one-on-one -on -one communication, like neurodivergent people, but also a surprising number of kids, uh, like younger people, like under 12, and even then some teenagers are very rarely one-on-one -on -one with an adult when they're not in trouble. So it for me, it helps... It helps them engage. It helps them kind of break break the mold of the somewhat like confrontational nature of this, and kind of take them out of the headspace of you know the last time I was sitting down across the desk from an adult was uh, the teacher who was giving me some grief about something at school. So it's about removing connections to potentially negative situations I've been in in the past. Because I, I started in schools. Uh, for a little bit of context on all that, I started work. My first job in mental health was working in a school, and I got my nice, my nice suit on and my nice suit pants and my nice shoes because this is my first professional job. Uh, and I realized I went to, I was working at a school in a really weird intersection of low, like kind of low and then very high socioeconomic uh, structures. Mm -hmm. But I realized there was a lot of the kids at the school who had been told never to talk to the presence of a suit. So after I was after I realized this about two or three weeks in, I realized that these some of these kids will not talk to a suit. Uh, so I came in in a Deadpool basketball shirt and jean shorts, and it's been just the Hawaiian shirt dad vibes ever since. <laughs> yes. Um, so since that's kind of the way I tend to approach things is kind of creating a better more comfortable more casual environment sometimes we use video gaming to just create a shared activity that we can vibe with together for a while build some of that rapport and just kind of have a home that i'm not someone who read a news article about minecraft and i'm going to pretend i know what i'm talking about uh, we're just gonna log into the game and we're gonna have like a good time and then we can have it's the same the same principles like walk and talk therapy or going out for a drive with a friend have a big conversation it's just a shared activity that kind of takes some of the tension away and then you get the what i call the implicit benefits which is when you can directly apply the video game into therapy which is like uh when we're running and i've talked about this a little bit because i've been training some clinicians in how to run minecraft groups recently uh, you know, you can create activities around using the structures of the game. So it's uh, my favorite example. It's pretty basic, but it's always done pretty well for me in sessions. Is for anyone familiar with the zones of regulation curriculum, the, the, the green zone, the yellow zone, the red zone, the blue zone, all being zones of emotional states. Uh, we chuck on Minecraft to creative mode and we build a green house, a blue house, a yellow house, and a red house. And we uh, we kind of go on like a little house tour in this miniature rainbow neighborhood we've just made. And we talk about, you know, when we're in the green zone, like, how are we feeling? And it's just a time to explore emotions and regulation. It's awesome. I love that. I like it. And that's where you know, I spend a lot of time in Minecraft because it gives us the cre it gives us the creative freedom to do a lot of cool stuff in therapy, but it also because it's such a broad it's a game of such broad scope we can really kind of do a lot of different things. If you want a survival adventure where we're going to go kill a dragon we can do that. 
if you want a game where we build a really cool thing, we can do that. Or if I want to take charge a little bit harder and go, we're going to build this, we can also do that. So it gives a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, it's like harnessing the the capability of the video game to to kind of create a world in which you can communicate in a different way. And yeah. some of those things that like people who are against video games kind of say, well, that's too broad. It's too addicting because there's too much to do. There's always something to do. You can harness it like you're talking about and actually. It's, yeah, this is supervised. It's di it's directed without being pushy because you. Yeah. In, at least from the perspective of the way I do it, is you know work working with uh, young autistic people or young people with PDA profiles, you have to find that balance between. You have to, you have to understand that like this is something you can't push, and you have to be willing and open to let them lead the therapy and just working with what they give you. Yeah, exactly. If you if you push too hard. It's something early on as a clinician I had to really work on was, okay, this person's coming in. What am I going to do? How do I have this structured? And pretty pretty early on in, in working with people, you just realize like sometimes it makes sense to have a game plan, but you don't always need to have a game plan because they're going to, if you build that rapport, they're going to come to you and, and that's much more fruitful than, yeah. oh, here's the structure. Here's the routine of what we're doing all the time. It is, is another adult who thinks they know me and who knows what's like who knows what i need and especially when you're working with i find especially when you're working with teens here if they get up they get a lot of this from the grown-ups around them and you just gotta not force that narrative on them because they will just maybe not want to deal with just another adult who thinks they know how it is to be a kid these days yeah so sometimes i bust out the wii and we'll play some smash bros or mario kart when they first come in and I'll entice them a little bit more because I'm naturally competitive, but I'm not going to go all out at the first get go, <laughs> but I am competitive. So we'll entice it by saying, Oh, okay. Whoever wins gets to dare the other person to do something silly in the hallway. And, you know, to reading the room, you know, I don't always let people win, but sometimes I do. And, you know, there's something about doing the worm down a hallway that really opens up <laughs> someone's ability to sit with you and be like, all right, this guy can. This is a human. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so, you know, being mindful of of, I'm sure we could go on forever, <laughs> talk we about could. these ins and outs of all these things, and and I think you know we'll include all the links of what you do and what you have going on, so that anyone listening can kind of check it out and 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 really do a deep dive in what's going on for you. But um, being such a fan of nerd culture and geek culture. Uh, I have a bunch of questions for you that I think will kind of fit um, into that narrative. And then a bunch that we always end the podcast with that I think uh, are right up your alley. Um, so the first is, uh, you know, a lot of people use nerd and geek interchangeably. What What's the difference between those terms for you if you had to kind of lay it out? For me, the difference is... Honestly, it was. If I I see them fairly interchangeably, mm. I do know like the. I feel like the differences are exemplified in the sense of like a, a nerd is for science mm. and uh, a nerd is in like science and specific topics, and then a geek is for like sci-fi. Yeah. 
and fantasy and stuff. So, so he was like recreationally nerdy. And then um, nerd is for, I don't know, what, more academic. Yeah. That's what, that's how I kind of use them, but I do use them interchangeably too. And, you know, my, my sweet daughter has a nerd mother and a geek father. So uh, she'll be able to go in between, <laughs> in between the, the terms pretty, pretty easily, I think. All right. So that, that's one that's, the, I always like to talk about. The other one is, this one's a little bit of a stretch, but I, I always like to kind of ask people about it. Um, all right, so I want to talk about Ninja Turtles and X-Men comparatively right, to each yeah, other. You got me. Right. Okay. And it, it's something I think only geeks or nerds can really understand is that um and and it's changed over the years, but early on I think if you you're either one or two fans of both of both of those, either you like Leonardo and Cyclops or you like Raphael and Wolverine. The no, I'm gonna have to disagree. Like I, uh, me, me and binaries don't don't yeah, vibe. That's fair. Um, I will say I do prefer Leonardo over Cyclops in the sense of Le Cyclops has a tough. I will I will admit Cyclops has a tough job. Mm -hmm. I liked I like his character development. Uh, as a character, like because being being like um, I'm 32, I grew up with like the X Men cartoon, yeah. and for most of that, Cyclops is just a very kind of I don't want to call him boring, but he's a very like one not not even one note. He's just like he's a leader. He's forced into a leadership role that maybe mm. he's hesitant to get into, yeah. uh, and he's got to deal with some very abrasive personalities. I don't envy anyone that has to wrangle Wolverine <laughs> or Gambit. Like no, I don't. Yes. I don't not not without like an adamantium leash or something. Yeah, something of that nature and it's needed. But Cyclops's growth is what I have a bit more time for him since uh childhood. Uh mm -hmm. in the Avengers versus X-Men comic. Uh yeah. there's this moment where the mute something's happened with the mutants. I can't remember what exactly. Uh I think they've uh, the Phoenix Force is on its way again. Mm -hmm. And the Avengers are trying to step in and go, okay, no, this is a bit beyond you. And Iron Man says, like, you know, people are afraid of you and they're going to react with anger. And Cyclops's argument in favor of his own self defense is what? And you think we should just let these people act this way because they're scared? Yeah. What did we do? And I really like that sense of when he steps up, not only is this 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 leader who really is struggling with his team, but as uh, not just like a team leader, but as a leader of a emerging nation, I did have a, I do have a bit more time for Cyclops as an adult, but mm. as a kid, I remember being like, this is that guy who's a bit bossy. Yeah. Whereas Leonardo, I've always had a bit more time for, because I just, the, the brother who has been designated the good one and is the bait is the bait, like not the babysitter, but the, the one who is in charge of the other three is something I can relate with. Gotcha. Um, whereas I see, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm the blue guys. I'm just processing <laughs> this question. I'm like, I I understand, but like, I I can relate to Raphael at times, but be not yeah. being the the incendiary brother, and Wolverine being like kind of needlessly antagonistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in going with that, that was formed very much from my my youth watching both of those on TV and and being a kid and being like ah. Cyclops is kind of a wet blanket, 
But like you're mm-hmm. saying, and what I was alluding to is the growth that's been happening is that I would agree with everything you said. You know, I think like being a kid, it's like directly relating to things that that make sense to you. And then as you grow older, there's more nuance to these characters. And I think, you know, and the writing's gotten much better over the years as well, too. So I think there's a fair amount for that. But yeah, X-Men versus Avengers was a great story arc. And I think mm-hmm. I think one of them, uh, it was, uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, Cable took her into the future and then they came back. I think that's what started that because she was bringing the Phoenix Force back. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> good reads though we, the x-men comics really started really strong with with you know the concept of the mutants and uh diversity and things of that nature and i think they've continued especially uh, as you know they became a nation and started doing that work yeah. so i would agree with that as much as it pains my younger heart to admit that cyclops is <laughs> more nuanced but I, yeah. I do think there's a huge amount of growth there i think the difficult thing with with that is as far as my interest in comics when i was in construction uh my site was out in the outback so all i could all i had to do with my time was read work out uh and rinse and read work out work warcraft rinse and repeat um i remember, re- I remember reading going back and reading these comics uh, my interest in them kind of i don't like cosmic stuff which is hard because i love the x-men but every second issue they're going off well yeah I really like your street level characters uh, and the X Men. Right. Yeah. That's growing up with the cartoon, the X Men cartoon is being absolutely outstanding. Best best opening riff of a theme song ever. The I feel 90, like early nineties was surprisingly metal. <laughs> it was uh, X Men, Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. We're in. Uh, Dragon Ball Z is another one we could probably do individual podcast episodes on each of these things. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, so the two major questions I, I end the podcast with are, um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And then what is your true life superpower? All right. Uh, I'm going to start with the true life superpower first because I'm buying time for the first question. That's a session <laughs> it's a I tough one. It's a loaded. Whole, yeah. I could spend a whole episode on that one question. Um, true life superpower is probably at this point in my time like being able to harness who i am it's authenticity it's harnessing who i am and what i've got going on and being able to use what i know about myself to do more of it you know i understand the way i through through the process of like self-development studying some of the like the life changes i've been through i've gotten to know a little bit more like actually a lot more about how i work so i understand this the context i need to do better such as understanding that i function better with like one earphone in and it drastically cuts the time down of everything I do because I've got a distraction, but I'm also not disconnected from the world around me. I understand I thrive on, oh, you know, I let, you know, to, to use to use a line from the tech talk, you know, I, I let the dopamine take the wheel for a little bit and I pursue interests while the impulse is there. So about a, uh, two months, two or three months ago, I was actually, time has gotten away from me. It was in August. Uh, I started... I had a flash of inspiration about 11 o'clock one night. Um, I thought, wouldn't it be really cool 
if there was like a D&D group for mental health workers, because we're all pretty bad at our own self-care unless we've taken a lot of time to learn about how to be bad for our self-care. So I'm sitting there furiously typing a, a rationale up on Facebook. Uh, and I posted to, we've got a, we've got a group for neurodivergent um, health workers in Australia on Facebook. And I said, okay, one session a fortnight, self-care, D&D, don't care if you've played before. Let's go. Uh, I had three groups start that week. And it's just this understanding I have of me is that if I strike when the iron's hot, I may, I can just ride that out and make things happen. And then using my abilities of just like uh, quick thinking and improvisation, I can just build a pro I've built a program like on the day. That's awesome. Great. All right. Now, now to the meaty question. What, what superpower, superpower do I have? And then because I'm that kind of nerd, I'm going to say I'm assuming I get any of the support powers to make it work. So if I became a speedster, I don't just die of friction immediately. Right. Um, superhero, I'm running I'm running and playing in superhero RPG campaigns. So this is kind of like, okay, what do we do? Um, See where I am right now with superpowers, and I'm I'm saying this not only to like fill the fill the silence, but also to uh, kind of like mentally process. Is I you know thinking about superheroes? I created a bunch because I uh, I've never I had not played a role playing game as a player before like November uh, like October of this year when my brother brought me into his superheroes campaign, and I got to really think about it. And then I made like ten characters on in a night because I had so many concepts. Right. And I feel like there's some some powers I would naturally struggle with, like uh, telepathy uh, would be really kind of cool, but is also without control. And then, yeah, you know, it's just one of the ones with, like the most sketchiest ethics. And then the power that also, like, if you can't control it, will cause you, like, no end of, like, mental harm. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. Yeah. Uh, Shapeshifting's kind of interesting as a concept, but again, ethics and weirdness. It'd be cool to like shapeshift into a version of me that has hair. Would be kind of nice. Um, big fan of luck manipulation as a generalist power. Just uh, like Domino from X Force yeah. specifically. Uh, for the fans, her power is that she's lucky, and it's everything works out for her in the end. Uh, big fan of that. But I am going to say, now that I've really thought this out, uh, illusion generation. I'm not sure, other, outside of like Loki from the MCU, I'm not sure really who does that. Mm -hmm. um, and we know when Loki does it, it's magic. Um, but like the Ravnos, uh, Clan Ravnos in Vampire the Masquerade can do it as well. I just see the ability to generate illusions, and I think um, it would a very cool power to have and that's what i'm gonna settle on mostly honestly mostly so i can just be world's greatest dungeon master yeah i'm in the middle of reading uh the robin robin hod uh um farseer trilogy right now and um you know the, there are characters that use the skill and there's one character that does that to manipulate a lot of the protagonist's storyline and it's really interesting concept when you think about it so yeah, oh, it's definitely one of those powers that I get. It's I feel like it's a villain power, 
uh, if we're going to ascribe like a, power, a morality to a power, it's a villain power because we see it in. I don't know if you've watched Ble- the anime Bleach, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the villains in Bleach uh, is a substantially powerful generator of illusions, and I think we see illusion generation as a villain power because it's deceitful, it's mistrusting, okay. it puts our puts our um, puts our heroes off off their game, but. Again, going back to that self-understanding, if there's anything I really thrive on, it's being subversive. So I would take this power that is traditionally reserved for villains, and I'm like, I'm going to use it to make to run the coolest like D and D campaign anyone's ever played in. So yeah. I'm going to make you see everything that's happening. On the, yeah, on that's this awesome. <laughs> Taking it back, that's good. I, I said Robin Hobb. I mean Robin Hobb. I mispronounced. I know the one. Um, it comes up about once a week for me in sessions and if there's one thing being a like a nerdy therapist who really only sees nerdy people has done it it is my my list of of things to read things to watch and things to play has gotten entirely out of hand (laughs) it's huge and i don't know where i'll find the time i literally have like a notepad right on my desk of like people's recommendations and just trying to trying to make it through you know that's good. Couldn't write it down. Um, it would be so difficult. I, I have a mental, the mental list, and it's the ones that to kind of make the list. It has to show up like on a weekly or fortnightly basis, and that that list still is incredible. For sure. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, really, really enjoyed the time, and you know, and be mindful of your time. Um, one last thing, if you could boil down everything that we just kind of talked about in this podcast for our listeners and like a one minute pitch, let's say, not that we need to time or ascribe to that, but what do you really want the listeners to take away from the talk that we had today? I think to wrap all this up in a way of like a, like a PSA at the end of an 80s cartoon, find the people around you that you don't have to hide yourself from and then be yourself in front of those people aggressively and intentionally and just be you and find the ways and find opportunities and ways to express yourself and who you are. And if you don't have these people, I am very sorry to hear that. Please go find them. They're out there and they're more than likely waiting for you. It's one of the greatest gifts in life, I feel, just from the philosophies I ascribe to, one of the greatest gifts in life that we can be given and that we can give ourselves is the permission to be authentic. It's amazing. I love that. I thought you were I thought you were gonna pause for a second and say Cyclops isn't as bad as we all thought he was when we were kids, but I'm, that's yeah, a way better no, message to to leave with. Than... No, was, yeah, because I'm. So it it comes down to the therapy style I loved and the therapy style that I ascribed to is like the the Carl Rogers person centered mm-hmm. approach of you know find people be find help people find who they are kind of strip away the social performance the social performance the mask it, 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 i'm what i'm i'm what autistic people refer to as mask off uh it's gone and just find find the mask find when you can and can't take it off and then be you intentionally and mindfully and aggressively 
because we you only get to be yourself once you may as well actually do it i'd rather be you than the mask yeah i love it well mike thanks again i appreciate the time it was an honor to sit oh, with you and talk about all things nerdy and geeky really filled my heart so i appreciate you showing up and having the conversation it's been a ride by to stop my morning thanks for having me